Welcome back, everyone, to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, LICSW and CST. That's Licensed Independent Clinical Social Worker and Certified Sex Therapist. I'm your sex-positive sex therapist, as I like to say. And we have another episode of Ask Donna today, and I will be talking with my wonderful producer. Here she is. Hi there, Vicki. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. I am needing a spike of dopamine, though. <sighs> Today's a very <laughs> ugh kind of day. Yeah, it's yeah, it's gray out there. Uh, it's gonna be gray for a couple of days, right? So maybe we're already pre kind of ugh about the mm. gray. Um, we did, we got through that hurricane okay, though. That last one was Fred, right? Was that Fred? And Ida's Henry, coming? I think. Oh, was it? A... Oh, I think Henry? it was Henry, okay. and, and now we're, we're dealing with Ida. I can't keep, I can't keep up. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm neat, you know, I'm really feeling my travel bug. I think that's what it is. You asked me before, you know, and I, I just sort of came to it now. I need that dopamine spike. That's something different, you know, that thing to yeah. look forward to. Yeah. Do you think you need that too? Or, or what is it for you? Is it just the gray-ishness? I don't know. I think it's just, I get really sad when summer comes to an end and then I'm oh, fine. Yeah. I love fall. I really oh. love fall. But I feel like yeah. this summer went by mm. so fast and so mm. slow at the same time that I'm still, <laughs> I feel like I'm still processing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Um, that's why I do like to go to, uh, you know, out of the country to somewhere warm. We usually go in the fall in September because it extends the summer. Yeah. You know, so I think, yeah, I, I get how you feel. Oh. And are your fingers crossed that everything goes well for this hopeful trip? Oh, of course. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're vaccinated. We're double maskers. We're we're going to do everything we can possibly do. To reduce our odds of anything going wrong. <laughs> We're getting yeah. everything all all lined up. Those, you know, for all the forms you have to fill out now for flying out of the country and getting good insurance. There was just a story on the news this morning about a couple who thought they had the right insurance, but, um, and they were fully vaccinated. They tested 24 hours ahead. They were both negative. I think it was on the way home. He tested positive. And he ended up having to stay, and they thought their insurance was going to cover that, but it didn't. So everybody needs to really read their insurance policies well for their trips. Um, health insurance or travel insurance? Travel insurance. Mm -hmm. So because he was delayed, I think for you know by ten days or something, you know that big extra cost for them. So. That's a big cost, yeah. Yeah. So we got to be aware of stuff. This COVID I stuff. Know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be nice if we could just get beyond it already and, you know, vax up, mask up, <laughs> distance up, you know, everything we need to be doing, right? Yeah, we're supposed to be going to a wedding, traveling for a wedding at the end of the month. So mm. our fingers crossed that that all goes according to plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, I wish you luck. I wish you mm. all the best. Enjoy. Sure. What else has been going on? Anything? Have you been seeing um a lot of the same types of thing of, of people coming in sitting in front of you lately or is it are there when you 
when the seasons shift, you know, so now we're getting ready to go back to school and all that stuff. Do you see the the same mm. types of things come up like in certain patterns? Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, yeah, there's the new challenge now with kids going back into school. Um, I don't have folks coming into the office. I'm still doing telehealth online only. Uh, but in terms of problems folks are dealing with, I mean, there's a variety. But I would say, yeah, some the challenges are, the, are still the same. We're a year and a half into COVID now. And uh, yeah, I would say lots of the same stuff. Only just, you know, little, little bumps here and there with, uh, yeah, going from summer to fall. People are... Um, yeah, focusing a little bit more on that, but mostly sure people are dealing with, you know, wanting better communication, better closeness, better intimacy, all that stuff. Oh, I get stuff. Yeah. And I have a, I have a quote I've, I've, um, stumbled on recently, I think is nice and I'll read it. Would that be all right? Yeah, go for it. Oh, great. So the quote is as follows. It's Robin Kasargian, the author, and she says, A primary committed relationship is like a stone mill. It will either grind you down or polish you up. Which it does is ultimately up to you. It's helpful to reflect on this in light of the wisdom of Confucius, who said, The gem cannot be polished without friction, nor man, woman, perfected without trials. I like that. So I, th- I think it's nice to normalize how difficult challenges are and, you know, hopefully we can look at them as, um, you know, problems as opportunities, right? The grinding down is the opportunity for the polishing up. I like that. I'm yeah. an annoyingly uh, eternal optimist. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. And it's, it's it can be very annoying. I'm aware of it, but. I always try to be like, all right, well, this is happening, but here's a positive from it. And everyone's like, Vicky, you don't always have to find a positive. <laughs> and I'm like, why not? <laughs> well, I'm optimistic, too. I'm also very much a skeptic in addition. Mm. So I, I think that's not a bad balance. Do you find that you're skeptical at times? You are, aren't you? At, at times. times. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm skeptical, I'm, I'm very skeptical. Yeah, but I, I do try to, and I I listen to my gut a lot. I have one of those intuition type guts that, uh, is very rarely wrong. Mm. So I mm-hmm. kind of tend to listen to that. But um, otherwise, I'm just annoyingly optimistic. <laughs> mm. Well, you're you're smart, so I think it's okay when you know when you know a lot. It's good to go with your gut. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to move my microphone closer because oh, okay. it's killing my back. So hang on, oh, yeah. folks. I don't want to make a bumpy here. Okay. All right. We're, That's we're, we're still doing this. I think it's going to be so much fun once we're actually back in the office and can mm. do this in a actual face-to-face mm-hmm. setting. I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, I think that's another thing, missing the social connection. Uh, That's a bit of a a weight, a a bit of a heaviness. You know, we got together with some friends outside the other night, and that was so lovely. I felt like it was, ooh, just what the doctor ordered. You know, we were good, and we were kind of a little bit far apart, and we were outside, and so it was very safe, and we were all vaccinated, and one other household, just another couple. And, uh, boy, that was just lovely, just lovely. Did you guys do dinner? We did. That's nice. Yeah. Hubby cooked. I cleaned. 
Yeah. I served. <laughs> I served dessert. <laughs> well, it was quite good and good conversation and just being together with folks that you know and love for yeah. years is is very uplifting. It's a, again a little little spike of dopamine that I needed. You know, and when we talk about that, that's the the brain hormone dopamine, you know, when something is dope, right? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that spike of something different and lovely and easy and positive and oh, that's so con- nice. socially connecting. It's good for our health. It right? really is. It really mm-hmm. is. For sure, for sure. So, um I know you've moved. Are you getting more and more used to the new place and space? We are. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, we are. It's nice. I, I just love it here and been really moving an entire house of stuff into a house of stuff is um, difficult, but we really, we, we're making it work and it's really nice. So. Oh, good. Yeah, good. I'm happy. Great. I'm happy. Great. I'm happy. Wow, you but, have very you have very white teeth, Vicky. I just want I everyone do? to know how white <laughs> Vicky's teeth are, folks. I think it's just the light from the window. Mm, nah, they look great. They look great. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh, she's all embarrassed now. I am. <laughs> You're making me blush. How are um, mine? Are mine all right? Yours are nice. Oh, thanks. Thank you. They look great. Look at us. We got some great sets of chompers on the two of us. Oh, we are so silly. <laughs> this is the mood we're in today, everybody. This is just... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All um, right. But I think for today, what are, we're going to do some ask, some ask Donna's. Yes, please. Because I got nothing. Oh, actually, what I do have that I forgot about. See, Ooh. I need I need a break, folks. But um, I will tell you right now that uh, the mission, right, of oh, sex yeah. and couples therapy that I always like folks to know is to help individuals, couples, and families embrace and integrate sex-positive thinking into daily life for optimal health, including sexual health and wellness. We go for annual mammograms, gynecological exams, and prostate exams for physical sexual health. We owe ourselves checkups on the emotional and mental health aspects of sexuality, sexual health for optimal health and wellness. So, you know, talking about all of this stuff is really important to just sort of walking through, exploring, and making things better for people. So, um, yeah, that's the mission, and we're going to field some questions today. And I just want to make it clear to everyone that when you're needing a break, like I am and maybe you are, Vicki, we're not always at our best, and so there's a great book out there called The Four Agreements. It's on my literature recommendations page, and one of the uh, four tenets for a happy life, happy relationships is um, always do your best. However, if today is not your best, forgive yourself and start again tomorrow. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit like that today, right? As You might be as well, Vicki. So. You know, and I think I feel like that's something that I'm seeing more and more and more people talking about lately. Like, oh, I just feel I need a break. I'm in a funk. You know, I feel burnt mm. out. I feel yep. so many people are feeling that way. And just if you're one of those people, no, you're not alone. And it's OK. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's OK. Right. Simone Biles. It's OK not to be OK. Yeah. Oh, we love yeah, her. <laughs> we do. So rest, you know, give yourself some nice uh, R&R. And, you know, start again tomorrow and be kind to yourself. Be gentle. It makes it easier to be gentle with our partners and our loved ones. 
So shall we start with a question? Shall we jump (gasps) in? Yes. We're going to jump in today. Um, I don't know how old these people are, but she starts off by saying, I realized that I'm the toxic one. What now? Hi. After recently breaking up with a long-term boyfriend, I have had a lot of time to think about everything. I've realized a lot of the time I am the toxic and the selfish one. I'm so afraid to admit when I'm wrong and so insecure about myself that sometimes I tend to try and control my partner because that's the only way I feel safe and secure. I don't know what to do. I feel like a screw up who's lost the love of her life because of her own stupid decisions and tunnel vision. Hmm. Oh, goodness. Well, yeah, I would have, you know, lots of questions for her, but... um... Yeah, I have lots of empathy for that position she feels she's in. And and what is her final question there? D- does she actually have one? She just says she doesn't know what to do. Like, what now? Uh, what Where now? to go from here? Ah, uh, okay. Well, so it sounds like the relationship is finished. Yes. So, you know, that's an important distinction I want to make, um, just in my practice, is that when... A partner says they're done, then couples therapy is over. Um, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there there really isn't anything one can do to change it. Uh, as she could, I suppose, you know, reach out to her partner and say, "Look, you know, everything she just wrote was quite uh, authentic and." you know, vulnerable, and it's quite a risk to admit all of that. I mean, I think Mm. it's terrific that she's at that place where she can see that. Um, I'd be curious to know what her partner thinks or thought, if if the partner thinks that's true. But, um, you know, that's where we want to get to ultimately. And sometimes being in a relationship and then the relationship ending and having that insight is, is really good for our own growth, whether the partner is still willing to be in the relationship or not, to yeah. be able to, right, to be able to just say, wow, you know, here's where I went wrong. This is a big deal because I'm often asking folks, you know, what can you do, even if it's something very small, to contribute to a more positive outcome here? And, you know, she wasn't ready to do it maybe in that relationship. Maybe she'll be ready to be more of how she's being in this letter or email in in another relationship. Or if they got back together, um, maybe she could carry more of those elements of being vulnerable and being very authentic and taking a risk and saying, gee, I'm really sorry. Um, You know, I'm in self-protection mode. So, you know, with couples, there's uh, a pattern where people tend to withdraw and then the other partner tends to pursue, sometimes attack. So she might have been the pursuer attacker or she might have been um, a bit of a withdrawer. But but when people are doing that, she's she's right. She was in self-protection mode. She was trying to, to use her words, create a sense of safety and security for herself. But that didn't work for the relationship. And what I often say, you know, people may be, <laughs> you know, hearing this for the 7,000th time, but what I often say is what comes naturally to us individually often isn't good for the relationship, meaning that if we're operating to protect ourselves, um, we're pitting ourselves possibly against our partner, and we have to be thinking what is good for the relationship, what is good for the marriage. And so, I mean, I think actually, believe it or not, she's, this is a really good awareness or insight she's having. 
Um, you know, if all of that's true. I think it's hard to admit those things about yourself too, you know, to be like, Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's insecure that I tend to do this because that's what makes me feel safe. I think it takes a lot of self-reflection and work to be able to say those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you find, oh no, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. Ask the question. Um, when you, generally you were saying that there's like an attacker or a pursuer and a withdrawer. Do you find that the, the pursuer turns into an attacker in a way, like when they're trying to elicit a response, if they don't feel like they're getting anything back or are they two separate things? Quite often. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that when we get better and we get more developed at having more productive moments in relationship, Uh, We're not attacking, right? So, Mm. uh, you know, there's a criticism defense cycle, you know, one where if we're criticizing, we're we're attacking. Uh, As a way of self-protection, I think it's very hard for people, um, including women, to ask for what they want and need. And there are many reasons for that. Um, You know, sometimes people feel like if they ask for what they want and need, it somehow means they're weak um, they're, or they're just not taught how to do that. Um, you know, there's just many reasons for it. So, uh, what folks do instead, also people make assumptions, you know, my partner should know by now what I need. Um, and you know, it's really good for your partner to put in the effort and remember things you've said in the past, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. You know, your partner's doing their life and doing themselves. And so, Uh, In any given moment, your partner can't read your mind. It's important to begin to develop strong interpersonal communication, right? So remember those five elements. I always go back to this. You know, already she's developing some vulnerability here in reaching out and writing that that letter that she wrote, um, you know, not to her partner, but here online. Um, So she's being vulnerable. She's taking a risk. She's being authentic. Now the challenge is doing that with your partner, which can be very scary and raise anxiety. So what people are doing when they're not yet developed at strongly communicating or they don't yet have comfort, a comfort level in managing conflict is they avoid, right? So when we feel anxiety, rather than do the harder thing, we do the, the habitual thing. Um, and it, it's not necessarily that we even know what else to do, but what comes naturally is to turn away or avoid, to, to quell your anxiety. And my job is to help people begin to develop those, you know, sort of um, mm, skills and strategies for having something better for the sake of the relationship, which means not avoiding but turning and facing the issue, you know, very kindly in a, in a lovely way if possible to say, here's what I need and want. No, there's a possibility your partner, about a 40% possibility your partner's going to maybe say no, or I can't do that, or I'd like to, but now isn't the time, or whatever yeah. the case may be. Um, you know, if they can, that's great. If we, you know, if we can kindly and wonderfully support each other so we both thrive and grow in relationship, that's great. But um, if the partner can't, then she has to, this particular person writing in, maybe has to figure out how she can get what she needs and wants. Um and then, you know, again, there's a dialogue, communication, all of that that gets developed. Um, I, it's unfortunate maybe that they didn't come in for therapy, couples therapy, intimacy therapy, um, before they broke up. Mm. 
Um, I do recommend to people, you know, don't wait too long because then our habits get hardened and it's hard to, it makes it a little bit harder to roll back. It's possible, but the sooner folks come in, I think the easier it is to undo hardened habits, if that Mm. makes sense. It does make sense. Or just things that you're used to and comfortable and feel safe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I might say to her, if she really loves this person, you know, call them up and say, hey, uh, here's what, here's what I've come to understand, you know, is that I, to use her words, I, I was, I was the toxic one. I acted selfishly. I acted in ways that helped me feel safe and secure, not, not, um, that would help our relationship. You know, that's risky, but she could, if she wanted to enough, let's see what happens. And if, if, you know, if it's still a no, I'm, I'm done. Well, then that's, that's the answer. Um, but who knows? what'll happen what would your response be to to people that say it's not genuine i've heard this recently a lot in various situations where i'll hear someone say but if i have to ask for it then it's not genuine and i don't i don't really understand that (laughs) well i would ask what part is not genuine what what does that mean it's not genuine I don't know so like when you're saying um sorry I'm shifting over here um Mm -hmm. when you have to ask your partner for something and then they do it I I I think I was watching a show the other day Mm -hmm. and it was a couple and they were fighting and and she was like you don't do this and and he did it and then she's like you're only doing it because I asked and I feel like we've Mm -hmm. talked about this before I'm like yeah but you asked and he did it so like that's the thing to focus on because if people are saying, you know, if I ask, it's not genuine or how did you say it? If I ask um, and I had to ask and why do I have to ask? Well, that's not realistic. We have to ask because our partners can't mind read. Mm. You know, mind reading and assumptions are the things that really get couples in trouble. Assuming your partner knows what you want, um, your partner assuming you know what they want this is where the work of developing communication comes in. So, so for example, even when I prescribe Sensei Focus, which is quite often, which is a non-sexual pleasure practice, which is wonderful, it's mindful, it's lovely. Um, if folks arrange it and plan it, if they have to rearrange it, I say one of the most, as important as doing the sensei focus is talking about having to rearrange it if that's the case. You know, you want to say to your partner, because your partner wants to feel desired, let's say the higher desire partner is wanting the lower desire partner, you know, to to have more desire, so that even that shows desire, that you care that you're rearranging the sensei focus practice. In other words, you know, planning it or rescheduling it. Like, hey, it turns out suddenly I have a meeting I didn't realize or know about or I have something going on I forgot about. Um, Can we reschedule for the following night because it's still important to me, you're important to me. Or when when should we reschedule for? When can you do it? Again, that shows empathy and care and consideration. I love that. All right, ready for the next one? Sure. Okay. My boyfriend asked another girl for her opinion and used it against me. Yesterday, I attended my best friend's birthday party. My boyfriend is not close with my girlfriends and insisted that I should go alone with just the girls. 
When I returned and showed him the pictures from the night, he immediately told me he was annoyed at my outfit. I was wearing a lace crop top with high-waisted jeans, and I explained to him that I felt like wearing whatever compliments my body the most, and the outfit was what I felt confident. It was, of course, appropriate as I went out to the bar with my friends. Later that night, he came back and told me he had just gotten off a phone call with his female friend, who I didn't know existed until he mentioned that they had discussed our argument together. She decided that I was looking for attention from other men at the party with that outfit. And as a girl, she thought that my outfit was inappropriate for someone with a partner. Now, he's using her opinion to convince me that it was wrong for me to wear the outfit. His reasoning is my friend is also a girl your age and also in a relationship, and she refuses to dress like that as it would attract other men. Yikes. Very, very <laughs> simple answer to this. If they came to me as a couple, right? How, how, should, how would you like me to answer this? If they came to me as a couple and this was a problem, or is the person whichever, writing in whichever, asking? Is I there think she's just looking for, there is no question in it. Um, I think she's just looking for feedback. Okay. So um, the best thing for couples to do is not invite any outside opinions into their relationship. Talk mm. to each other. Mm. Whatever goes on for another couple in their relationship suits them and hopefully is consensual between them. Every couple needs to run things by each other. And other than someone like myself, a, you know, an ASEC certified sex and couples therapist or sexual health specialist, relational specialist who's certified, um, family therapist who specializes in family relationships, that person you can have as a consultant and a collaborator on your team, that's fine. Other than that, I would not be inviting in the opinions of others um, as a way of doing the relationship. It doesn't work. That is it. The end. End to scene. The end. Yeah. End scene. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, what I do is I say to folks, here's, here's what works. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. So if they keep doing that, that is not going to work. What works is to figure out what makes them both comfortable. She should be able to wear whatever she likes to wear. He should be able to wear whatever he likes to wear. You know, if it's a, a party or a place where they're going together and um, there's a particular dress code, they can talk about what they're going to wear. That's wonderful. But no one should be telling anyone what to wear. It's not okay. Hmm. And both both folks have to just decide what they are comfortable with in their relationship. And, you know, just focus on on supporting your partner so they bloom and they thrive and they grow and they um, you know, they'll feel beautiful and wonderful and closer to you if again they're not being criticized, right? Goes back to that criticism defense cycle. Um, don't do that. Don't be critical. Easier said than done, I know. Um, and if they're having difficulty and they're in couples therapy, which I think is a good idea, uh, if they can't resolve it in two minutes, save it for therapy and don't talk about it between I feel sessions. Like that's a good. That's a good rule. If you can't resolve it in like two minutes or five minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I that's shoot it. for two minutes for folks. Yeah. 
Yep. I mean, Two ultimately, uh, that, you know, they're not going to do that right away uh, quite often, but ultimately we can resolve our issues in two minutes. Yeah. We can say, hey, here's my issue. Here's what I need help with. Here's my request. Are you willing? Hopefully your partner is willing because they're, you know, you're in it for the good of the relationship. Um, and, you know, you're different people. You're going to have different opinions. Sometimes you can agree to disagree. That's okay, too. Um, but, yeah, if, if they really can't get through it and it's it's becoming very destructive and unproductive, just write it down or just put it aside, save it for therapy. We'll walk through it together in a very productive way. All right. Do you want to do one more for this one? Uh, yes, I'd be happy to. All right. We don't feel like partners anymore, he says. Hi, everyone. Um, my boyfriend and I, so this is a 21-year-old male and a 22-year-old male, um, have been dating for three years. At the moment, it doesn't even feel like we're dating anymore. I feel like I'm living with a roommate who I am occasionally intimate with. We moved in together a few months ago, and ever since, I think our relationship has struggled as we get used to living together. He still gets to work. However, we are currently in lockdown and have been for the past two months. So I'm not sure where they where they live. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if these feelings are normal and if we will ever get back to that so in love feeling again. I get frustrated with his annoying habits around the house and lack of help as I do most of the housework. And he just plays games whenever he isn't working. So I feel like I have to ask for him to spend any time with me and I feel as if I'm being annoying if he's trying to unwind. I feel like I'm his mom picking up after him and this is where most of the resentment lies at the moment. In turn, he thinks I'm attacking him. This leads to us both being super distant. I don't really feel comfortable talking about the struggles of living together as no one else does, so I'm unsure if this is normal or something more serious. I've tried to schedule time together, and when it comes time for that, neither of us are up for it. What should we do? Oh, very normal. Very normal. Uh, Sure, yeah. I, I mean, this is sort of the roommate syndrome. How long have they been together? A couple of years, he says. They've been dating for three years, he says, but it seems like they just moved in together a few months ago. Okay, and it's two young men, 21 and 22, right? Yep, two young males. Okay, so um, as I often say, that first couple of years is the limerence or falling in love phase. And it's very common. I want this person to know how normal this I don't hear anything abnormal going on. There's no outlier here. Everything seems normal. It just seems like they've fallen into that roommate syndrome pattern You know, it's three years, so they've been together more than two years. And when we move in, uh, well, mm, well, okay, so longer than two years plus moving in. Ironically, lots of couples feel like, ooh, you know, now that we're going to live together, we're going to have lots of juicy, you know, sex and uh, things are going to (laughs) be wonderful. We're going to be hanging from our our chandelier. or swinging from our chandelier, right? But but oftentimes what happens is when you're when you're with a partner for a number of years like this, your partner is no longer new, novel, and therefore less erotic. And this is the thing that contributes to the roommate syndrome or feeling like bleh, you know, it's just sort of dulsky. Um, and we talked a little bit about needing that spike of dopamine, right? Like I'm I'm needing in my life right now. Uh, so we have to. You know, create, again, planning is so important. Couples often say, I don't want to schedule intimacy. I don't want to schedule dates. I don't want to plan things. 
because it seems unsexy and that is not true. So this is a made up idea. It's a cognitive distortion. It's a mistaken belief that planning doesn't work. We have to plan in the beginning. We do plan in the beginning to see each other, even to make a date. You know, when they first met, um, they even had to plan where they were going in order for them to meet, whether they met spontaneously or it was a, an arranged date or, you know, they somebody called somebody and set it up. I mean, there's planning involved all the time. So planning needs to keep happening. It's just in a different way. You know, now we live together, so let's plan special time for ourselves. Let's plan downtime. Let's plan quality time, date time, non-sexual date time, sexual date time. It's very, very good for the relationship. Very good. He, it's needed. He, he did say that they had tried to plan some time together and then it came and neither of them were up for it. Yeah, he did. Um, so be accountable for that. I mean, both people can say, okay, you know, I know we had this date planned, but we're both so tired. Um, how about we plan for tomorrow instead of tonight? Or you know, either in the afternoon, or we can go out for breakfast, or we could do something in the evening. But let's, you know, and let's say they just decide we are so tired, we want to stay home in bed and order Chinese food, if they're able to afford that. Um, that's nice. You can think of that as a date, a special time. You know, this is our time. We're turning off the phones. We're unplugging. Um, this is We're just me and Snuggle up time. in bed together and watch yeah. a show together and eat Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that can be a really sweet little comfy date. Um, maybe they don't want to go out. That requires energy, right? I get that. Although they are 21 and 22. <laughs> you know, you maybe maybe try to really make sure you can utilize some of that 21-year-old energy <laughs> that I haven't had for 40 years, people. Um, so I, I get the tired thing. But it really is important to, to make sure that things feel special. And so we have to construct that intentionally and put in effort. Again, this stuff just doesn't come naturally. We have to, you know, put in the effort. But in the end, if we put in the effort, then we've created a memory. It feels really good. Hopefully you've spiked some dopamine, oxytocin, the bonding hormone. Um, and you'll feel good afterwards. And this this is the idea of intimacy, too. So when people plan intimacy or, you know, a, a sexual night together um, or hour together or 10 minutes together, um, if they do it, if they follow through with it, then they, you know, remember that mm, arousal is the state of our parts, right? Desire is the state of our hearts. So if they get together and they touch, they hug, they kiss, I don't know, maybe they go out and do dance lessons or whatever that gets them touching and together and sort of or maybe they just put on some music and dance in the living room. That's fine, right? I mean, whatever we do that sort of gets us having fun, right? Pleasure, play, um, being playful is so important. You know, and we fo if we follow through, we will feel aroused. We will feel happy. We will feel connected. You know, don't let your mind play tricks on you. Your mind does funny things, right? Our minds will say, oh, I'm just so tired, I can't. And, and that's fine. That's an option. But if you're doing that consistently, that's not going to create as much pleasure, play, and fun um, and pleasurable, wonderful memories. So follow through and see what happens, right? I mean, we have this all the time. I mean, don't you sometimes, Vicky, feel like, uh, oh boy, I made this plan and all I want to do is poop out. All I want to do is stay home and do nothing. But if, if we do it, um, you know, sometimes we should take the option to stay home and do nothing. Self-care, that's really good. You can always say, look, I wish I could make it. I'm so sorry, I can't. 
Um, but if we follow through, sometimes we feel better that we did. And in, with couples, that's really important, and that really is the case quite often. Or even to, with tasks. To follow through. Yeah, with yeah. tasks. Yeah. Same thing with tasks. Just mm-hmm. set something that I've started to do is just <laughs> set a timer and make myself do it for like whatever the task is or if mm-hmm. I want to go out and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go, I'll set a timer for like 10 minutes and I'll be like, mm-hmm. all right, you're going to start to get ready for 10 minutes. If at the end of the timer, you're not, you know, feeling better, like 10, 15 minutes, whatever, then, you know, consider not going or if it's, oh, I really have to fold this laundry and I don't want to. Okay, we'll just start mm-hmm. and then see where you're at in 10 minutes and then normally I'll just keep going. Great metaphor for intimacy. Just start. Make yeah. the plan. Friday night at, you know. Nine o'clock, we're going to crawl in bed together. Um, just start, you know, hug each other, you know, feel each other, touch each other. Um, you know, just make your partner feel good. Hold hands, uh, you know, massage, um, touch, kiss, right? We talked about all this stuff, kissing, oral play, anal play, all that great stuff. You know, just start doing something and you will likely feel more and more aroused, right? We've talked about sort of measuring arousal level, levels, you know, bef- you know, as people are thinking about it, uh, Emily Nagoski writes about how, you know, if we're just thinking about it, we might be at a zero level of arousal, you know, then maybe we begin to get close to our partner, sit next to them at dinner, you know, may, I don't know, who knows, maybe we're at a 0.5 now, or at a one, and then just keep going, you know, just keep touching, keep moving forward and see what happens. You always have the right to say, you know what, I'm so sorry, but I don't feel like doing this. Consent is key, right? It always has to be a clear yes. Um, otherwise, um, it's a no. Just partners assume it's a no unless it's a clear yes. Uh, but talk about it, plan it, and follow through. It's very important. So if this couple started to really have kind of a structure for themselves in terms of tasks around the house where his partner, what does he say? His partner, he asks his partner to do stuff, but he feels like he's mothering the partner because the partner doesn't do stuff around the house. Yeah, basically that he feels like he's his partner's mom. Yeah, so so that's that's a division of labor issue whereby Mm -hmm. it has to feel fair. It has to feel like both people are putting in equal levels of effort, whether they're working outside the home, in the home, or both. Um, and when I say inside the home, I also mean, you know, a a person could be raising children in the home or they could be working on computer in the home. Um, but figuring out what feels fair for each person. Otherwise, if someone's doing more and it's falling on them and they're asking and their partner is resisting, they're going to feel like they're parenting and this is not sexy. You know, feeling like you're the dad or the mom is not sexy. And it's not good for your intimacy and not good for your relationship. So be willing, um, you know, lower desire partners, be willing to understand that your partner who's higher desire likes to feel desired. And just showing them that you desire them or, you know, um, following through on that, that date or intimacy or sense of focus if you're in, you know, sex therapy, Um, All of that is going to make for a closer connection, make your partner feel desired. And if your partner asks for help with dishes or cooking or laundry, um, that's going to feel good for them because they're going to feel like you think what they need is important. I have a couple I'm working with now. They're young. Um, 
uh, one partner is working many hours between working, you know, uh, nursing in COVID, by the way, uh, it's 50 plus hours a week. The other partner is working from home online 30 hours a week. So the arrangement now, after coming into therapy, is that um, the partner who's working 30 hours a week from home is two nights a week arranging for food. So either cooking or getting, you know, ordering in so that his 50 hour a week plus partner, when, when they come home, oh, they can relax more. Um, and it's just feeling better for both of them, actually. They're both happier. So that's, that's what I would suggest to these folks. I would say either, you know, call the office and, and, you know, get into to therapy and we can talk about how to um, change what's happening. You know, each person has to be willing to change, make change. It's not about your partner changing. It's about your willingness to change yourself and what you're doing. It's, it's your willingness to change what you're doing for the betterment of the relationship, whether it's tasks or intimacy or, you know, uh, looking at money, doing money, doing uh, in-law relationships, parenting stuff, all that. And don't forget all of the books that Donna talks about today. We talked about one of Emily Nagoski's and we've talked about the four agreements. They're all on her liter literature recommendations page. And you can mm -hmm. even buy the book right through the website. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also regarding um, some of the intimacy stuff, if people are at a loss for how to spice that up, there's um, The Bigger O. Yes. It's the Bigger O. We have partnered with them. Mm -hmm. It's a female-led um, website. Yep. So they are a... Hold on one second. Let me make sure that I'm going to say the code right. Um, they are a... Um, female-owned sex toy company, um, mm -hmm. and they have amazing, amazing things. Um, it's a it's a woman-friendly sex shop. Um, mm. <clears throat> their nice. Instagram is at the bigger o underscore, um, and we have a code for everybody. If you would like to use it, you can use the code Happy Ending, and it gets you ten percent off of your purchase. Oh, how wonderful. Yay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, so they are terrific. Um, and other places folks can reach out and find ideas for hot sex. Uh, PleasureMechanics.com. OMG, yes. That's a really good one, too. Um, also, Smitten Kitten online. Uh, they've got great uh, toys and uh, things not just for women, but for everyone. Um, so, yeah, lots of resources out there, folks. And what I think is really cool about shopping online is it's really private. Mm. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying don't go into stores. Those can be great experiences, too. But there's a, a level of privacy that's really nice if you're doing this stuff online. Yay. <laughs> and you can have fun together sitting in front of the computer, right? Oh, you, you can, can shop that. together. You can look. You can be like, oh, what does this one do? What does that do? Yeah. Which one intrigues you? Yeah, laugh don't about forget, it. Using mm -hmm. sex toys is normal. We talked about that on our stories the other day. Oh yeah, and and fun. Yeah, and fun. Yeah, so uh, that can be incorporated into into play, into intimacy and play, sex play. So what do we think? Uh, is that the three today? Is that I is think that good? that's good for today. 
All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Vicki. And uh, if you'd like to reach out and call the office, the number is 508-990-9909. The wonderful website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. You can find us on Instagram at The Happy Ending Therapist and on Facebook at The Sex and Couples Therapist. So, so nice to have everyone joining us today. Please join us again next time. And remember, everyone, always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. Take good care. Mm